0: Welcome. My name is John. I am the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. We are kicking off this new series, as Adam alluded to. We're calling it Detox. Uh, I'm excited about it because everybody loves a good cleanse, don't we? You know, some lemon water, all that kind of stuff. Just a chance to hit the reset on our lives. And so, for the next few weeks, four weeks or so, we're going to be putting a spotlight on, let's call it the impurities in our lives, kind of the junk, the behaviors, the attitudes, the mindsets some of the relationships we might have in our lives, even the religious practices that we're holding on to that are toxic and and preventing us from being our best self, from living the lives that both we want to live and and God wants us to live. And our goal is to find out what God's word has to say about these things and to help it cleanse our lives and start fresh. To kick off, what I want to do is I want to talk about an issue that affects all of us, some of us more than others, but I want to talk about our thought life. And I want us to just for the next 25 minutes or so, just to really pause and think about the way that we think. Because if you're like me, a a lot of times you just don't like what's going on up here, right? Now, there are times when you're very positive, you got a lot of faith in God and things are going well, but there's a lot of times where our thoughts can just be straight up toxic. And the longer we allow those toxins to just sort of circulate in our system, the more damage they can do. The good news is, Scripture has a ton to say about our thought life and provides a plan to detox those thoughts. So let's start off by talking about the power of those thoughts, because a lot of us don't give our thoughts enough credit. We don't recognize how much power our thoughts actually have in our lives and in our bodies. But today what we're going to see is how many of our problems really do start up here, how, how many of life's battles are won and lost in the mind. Now, in the Old Testament, several thousand years ago, there was a guy named Solomon. He was a king, and he asked God for wisdom to lead his people. God was very impressed by this request. He didn't ask for money and, and, and good looks and all that kind of stuff. He just asked for wisdom. And so God granted this request and, in fact, made Solomon, as scripture tells us, to be the wisest man who has ever lived. Now, with that new wisdom, with that new power, Solomon made an incredible observation about the power of our thoughts. In Proverbs 23, he recorded what he saw, and he says this, for as he thinks in his heart, for as a person thinks in their heart, so is he. Okay? For as a woman thinks, so is she. For as a child thinks, for as a teenager thinks, so are they. In other words, the life we have is often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. Now, you might be tempted to hear this and you go, I don't know, it sounds like a little new agey, it sounds like a little kind of self helpy That's the Bible. Don't let that sin nature, and it's going to want to, don't let it try to reject this truth. The thoughts you think directly impact and shape your life. In recent years, a whole new discipline of modern psychology has become very popular, called CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And what these practitioners have found is that Solomon was right. They've concluded that many of our problems are rooted in faulty and negative thought patterns. And according to these doctors, eating disorders, relationship challenges, addictions, um, self-esteem issues, control issues, some forms of depression, anxiety, all stem from, are all born out of our negative and faulty thinking. And so what they've concluded is that our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives, if you will, follow our thoughts, which means the person you are today was decided by your thoughts 10 years ago, which also means in 10 years from now, the person staring back at you will have been formed by your thoughts today, which is a scary thought for some of us, sobering. So with that, let me just ask you this question. Do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? According to science and Solomon, and when scripture and science are saying the same thing, you really got to listen. Your thoughts are setting the direction of your life. So are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? When I first heard this question several years ago, I asked it of myself, and my answer was a no, okay? No. Because my thoughts, okay, honestly, lean towards worry. They lean towards anxiety, and I did not like the direction that my thoughts were taking me. And so I made a decision to lean into God's truth and to have him change the course of my life. And I wanna show you that process today. So the first thing we kind of gotta understand, we gotta come to grips with, is that our mind is a battlefield. There is a very real war happening, and according to scriptures, it's taking place in your mind. Every day, there's a real enemy who is actively trying to infiltrate and influence your thoughts, and his name is Satan. Now, I say this, and some of you might think, okay, that's a bit dramatic, right? Like, Satan, we're gonna, this is what we're going to do? That's exactly how he wants you to react. For as prideful as Satan is, and Scripture says that is his issue, pride, he wants you to ignore him. He wants you to be positive that he doesn't exist and isn't real, That way, he can continue to plant seeds of doubt and confusion and worry and anger and anxiety in your life that will grow and grow and grow and potentially take over. Peter gives us a warning. He says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, and in the original Greek, he means your enemy, okay? The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Scripture is very clear: Satan cannot physically touch a Christian without God's permission. However, he is able to mess with us. So the big question is, how? How does Satan mess with us? Very simply, he lies. This is what he does. This is what we've been doing since the beginning of time. Satan's strategy as the prince of this world that's how Jesus describes Satan, the prince of this world his strategy is to persuade you any way that he can to believe his lies and to begin incorporating them into your thought process. Jesus says of Satan, and I think we actually looked at this last week or in the last series, he said this of Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. If Satan can get you to believe one of his lies, no one really loves you you're never going to be good enough. You, you can't change. Mm -mm. You've made far too many mistakes for God. You're a victim, and you're never going to get a job. If Satan can get you to believe one of these lies, then he's already won. Why? Because a lie accepted as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Okay, if you believe the lie that no one loves you, trust me, you're going to live as though no one loves you. If you believe the lie that you're never going to be good enough, you will live as though you will never be good enough. If you believe the lie that you're a victim, you're going to live like a victim. As somebody who struggles with diagnosed hypochondria, when I believe the lie that something is wrong with me, I live as though something is wrong with me. To quote the great theologian, George Costanza, he said, if it's not a lie, if you believe it. See? Wisdom in Seinfeld. This is so true, though. My old boss would say, hey, perception is reality. Perception's reality. Satan's lies create a warped perception in our mind. And if you buy into those lies, then that warped perception becomes your reality, which means, and you're not going to like this, it means we're living a lie. How many of you are hearing this and you're going, oh my gosh, this sounds so right. This is, this is me. I feel like a prisoner to my own thoughts. It's, It's affecting the way that I live. It's affecting the way that I work. It's affecting the way that I uh, love myself and others. It's affecting the way that I see myself. It's affecting the way that I see God. That's the enemy. And you're beginning to catch him red-handed. So what do we need to do to detox, so to speak, these thoughts? The first step, according to Scripture, is to identify the lie. If Satan has, unbeknownst to you, tricked you, lured you, into believing a lie, then the first step is to identify that lie. Put a spotlight on it. Now here's the problem, because there's always a problem. The problem is Satan lies are hard to spot. Okay? He is excellent at lying. It's what he does, according to Jesus. It is his very nature. He is excellent at camouflaging lies so that you don't spot them. Because if you could spot them, you wouldn't believe them, right? So Satan's lies are hard to spot. But the problems they cause are not. And while you don't know that the lies you believe are lies, you do know that the problems you're experiencing are problems. Problems are very easy to identify. And if you're willing to invite God into your problems and ask some probing questions of yourself and of your situation, you, with God's help, will be able to uncover Satan's lies. Let me kind of show you how this works works let's say for you your problem is debt okay you you just can't stop spending even though you're financially underwater you got to have the best car the best clothes the best watches the best handbags the best vacations the best dinners even though it is killing you financially it's a problem bring it to God ask for his insight and discernment and wisdom Lord reveal to me what is going on this is a problem in my life it's impacting my life Where is the lie that I fell for? And what you might find is that somewhere along the way, Satan had you believe, hey, if you just had more stuff, you'd be happy. Maybe your problem is worry, okay? And you try to plan out every detail of your future because you can't stand not knowing the plan. Get alone with God. God, why do I do this? Why do, why do I insist on, on being in control? Where wh- This is not helping me. Where is the lie that I fell for? And what you might find is somewhere along the way, Satan had you believe the lie. Hey, God can't be trusted. Or maybe for you. You're constantly trying to seek the approval of others. And, and you know, you became an overachiever because of this. You overextend yourself. You're you're saying yes to everything. Maybe you know, so that others like you. Maybe, maybe you've become enslaved to social media, in order to garner positive attention from others. You just seem to do everything, so others think you have value. Bring this problem to God. Ask for insight, and you might find that somewhere along the way, Satan had you believe, "Hey, your worth is based on what others think of you." With God's help, you will be able to identify the lie that is robbing you of the life that you want to be living. The next step, you got to capture that lie. Like putting a cup over a bug. Got it, right? What you do next with that bug, that's up to you. (laughs) No. (laughs) God's got a plan, though, for the lie. (laughs) Bugs are on your own. So Paul describes it like this. He says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that he's talking about lies here. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, this word demolish in the original Greek means to bring down with violence, almost like a, like a wrecking ball. It's kind of the picture it paints. And so every single time we come up against one of Satan's lies, God doesn't care about you. You're never going to have a good marriage. You're always going to be broke. Every time we find a lie that tries to keep out the truth of God, we are going to bring down that lie with violent power, Paul says. You're going to demolish it. Paul says we take every thought captive and we make it obey Christ. He turns the tables on Satan's lies. We, he says, we're not going to be taken captive by them. No, no, no. no. We're going to take them captive. We're going to make them prisoners. We're not gonna allow them to roam free in our minds. And so every single time we spot a thought that is destructive in nature, not beneficial to our lives, not God-honoring, we're gonna take it captive. We're not gonna get involved with it. We're not gonna follow it. We're not gonna engage with it. We're not gonna give it a time of day. We're gonna take it captive and we're gonna make it submit to Jesus. First we identify the lie, then we capture the lie, then, you got to replace the lie with God's truth. Why is truth so important? Jesus says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So what does truth do? It sets you free. Satan's lies got us into this mess. God's truth is going to get us out of this mess. Let me show you how to practically replace a lie with God's truth. Let's say you are that person. use the same old uh, examples. You have worry. This is your issue. This is the problem in your life, and through prayer and asking some some deep probing questions of yourself, you identified Satan's lies, and that was, God can't be trusted. In those moments when you feel under attack, in those moments when you feel worry starting to bubble to the surface and, and, and take over, in those moments when you feel tempted to question God, even though we don't realize that's what we're doing, you take those thoughts captive. You replace them with God's truth. You proclaim to yourself, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will. That's a promise. He will make your paths straight. I can trust God. He knows what's best for my life. Okay? And so when my personal worries take over, when my hypochondria starts to spin out of control, I remind myself that the Lord did not give you a spirit of fear, which means it's coming from somewhere else. You demolish the lie. You replace them with truth. Let's say you're the person who struggles with debt, right? That's your issue. And you learn through prayer and asking probing questions that Satan had you believe that if you had more stuff, you'd be happy. In those moments, when you're tempted to acquire more to fill some need, you take that thought captive. You replace it with God's truth. And you proclaim, I have learned to be content with whatever I have for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. God's given me everything I need. Not everything I want, but I got everything I need. And I find my joy in him and not stuff. And you demolish those lies. You replace them with truth and you push back the enemy. Lastly, maybe you are that person who is constantly looking for approval from others. After getting along with God, having him search your heart, you uncovered that lie that Satan had you believe. And that was this, that my worth is based on what others think of me. And let me just say this. Our value is not based on what others think. Value in and of itself is determined based on what someone would pay for something. And so you take that thought captive and you replace it with God's truth and you remind yourself that you were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, And if someone is willing to pay that price for you, if God is willing to pay the price of his only son for you, then you have infinite value, regardless of what anybody else might say. And you push back the enemy, and you capture his lies, and you replace them with God's truth. First, you identify the lie. And you capture the lie. Next, you replace the lie with God's truth. And lastly, you got to rewire your thinking. If what Solomon said is true, then our lives really do move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so with that knowledge, Paul gives us some very simple and yet life-changing advice. He says you want to fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about, that's a decision, think about things that are pure and lovely. Dwell on the fine good things in others. Paul's like, if you want to start thinking differently, then you got to start thinking differently. You actively need to rewire and reprogram your thinking. I mean, imagine waking up in the morning and choosing to focus on what is good in this world rather than the junk in the headlines. Imagine purposefully picking a decision to think about the good in other people, your neighbors, your coworkers, right? Rather than focusing on the negative. What would your mood look like? He continues. He says, think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. And here, this is important. Keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice all you have learned from me and saw me doing. In other words, what we're talking about today, what they're walking us through in Scripture, it's not a one-time event. Okay, Your brain, unlike your stomach, has no natural filter, which means you need to consistently monitor your thoughts. You have to consistently identify the lies. You have to consistently bring them into submission to Christ. You have to consistently remind yourself and proclaim God's truth about your situation. Keep putting it to practice, Paul says, everything I've taught you. And the God of peace will be with you. Wouldn't you love to have a little peace up here? Far too many of us have a thought life that is toxic. But it does not have to be that way. There is a better way. And if we can fix our thoughts on Christ, if we can tap into the power of God, we can change our minds. We can transform our thoughts and we can be set free. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at this church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. And I will say this, today really was one long practical, a process to detox your thoughts. But I do want to give you a little bit of homework to get you started. What we saw today is that there is hope. There is. There is hope when it comes to our thought life. But it can be overwhelming when it's kind of a mess up here. And if you're like me, you feel like there's so much work to do, like that, that you don't even know where to start. So let me simplify it for you. This week, all I want you to do is identify one lie. Just one lie that's holding you hostage. Because if you try to fix everything, you're gonna fix nothing. So what's the big one? And I'm gonna bet that you've been thinking about it all morning. (laughs) It's there. What is that one thought in your life that just plays on repeat? Maybe for you, you struggle with identity. Maybe for you, you, you feel as though you're not loved. Maybe you feel like you can't handle it, whatever it is, you just, you can't handle it. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. And so with God's help, I want you to identify and define that one lie. And then I want you to name the truth that demolishes that lie. Jesus says the truth will set you free. And gonna be honest with you, This is gonna take some work. This is gonna force you to open up your Bible. Author of Hebrews says this, God's word is alive and working and is sharper than a double-edged sword. And it cuts all the way into us and it judges the thoughts and the feelings of our heart. Which means it will help root out thoughts that are wrong and faulty and negative, not God-honoring, not beneficial, and not from God and it will replace it with his truth so how do you do this where do you begin especially if you're not a, a bible person here's my real advice use google what what you know, you're laughing but it's trust me okay what does the bible have to say about feeling worthless what does the bible have to say about worry find scriptures that speak truth into your situation and commit them to memory rehearse the truth live out the truth let that truth transform your thoughts and allow them to set you free let me pray for you the only father you have blessed us with a tremendous mind But God, according to your scripture, our mind is a battlefield. There is a real enemy trying to do real damage inside of us, God. And a lot of us are feeling it. And God, while we don't know the lies that we believe are lies, we can see the problems in our life. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give us discernment to spot those lies that are dragging us around by our nose, that are preventing us from living the kind of lives that we want to be living and the kind of lives that you've called us to live, God. Help us to be different. God, give us the strength to to trust you, to meditate on your word. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. And we will give you all the glory. We ask all of this in Jesus' mighty, powerful, and transformative name.